action. What's up? What's up, friends? <laughs> We're back. Yeah. We are recording this the day before the first open workout gets yeah. announced. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, but it's kind of finally creeping up. Yeah. Just checking the, the social medias here to see if we have any questions come up. So we'll talk about a few more points on the open. Um, I think we'll also bring up some artificial sweetener stuff because there's been a lot of that as well on the social media lately. And I think that's always a good question to talk about. Yeah, it's a it's a blurry thing. Yeah. I think it's a lot still like I think low fat is still a conversation that happens and it's I think true, yeah. artificial sweeteners go with that conversation. Yeah. For, somehow. Point. Um I think it's like kind of the same circle. It's like margarine versus butter, diet coke versus coke. Yeah. Right? Like what's better for you right. knowing that there's going to be problems in excess in anything. So, let's start there. Yeah. Excessive consumption of anything is not going to be good. Exactly. So we're not we're not going to talk about that that extreme. We're just going to talk about, I think like yeah, general just consuming it in general. Is it good or or is it bad? That reminds me though. Sometimes we should sometime we should have either one podcast or several podcasts just dedicated to, like, the huge number of different things that are good at certain amounts and then become bad at high amounts. Like follow that inverted U shape effect. Oh yeah, where it's like. And, like, water follows this. Like, a certain amount of water necessary for survival, good for overall health, and then you get to a certain point where you drink too much water and it could kill you. Yeah, that's so crazy. so yeah. many things like that, I think. Yeah. Just laying all of those out for people. It'd be a cool episode to have, maybe. Yeah. There was actually a point last year where I was drinking too much water, and it obviously didn't kill me, but, like, it actually affected my performance and things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, absorption of food like I felt like I had no energy and, and I changed that one thing and it made a difference so was that the cause it seems like it when all things stayed the same and I yeah, changed that where it came from was just like I was coaching more at that time and when I coach like like you know just talking all the time and being in that dry gym you get so thirsty so I was just <laughs> yeah. chugging like so it's not bottle just after bottle yeah throughout every single class to the point where it's like on the hour I'm running to the, the office there to, to uh, make some more room for more water in between the next classes. But it was, yeah, it was out of control. And I changed, I didn't know. I talked to my coach. He's like, well, that's way too much. Because once when you're drinking a, a water bottle and it's, yeah. it's a shaker, so what is this thing? I think they're 500 mils. Yeah, this one's 600 to there, so probably seven. 750 i drink like two of them a class <laughs> and i was coaching like that's a lot, six yeah. to seven hours a day at that time so it was uh it was a bit much there you go a lot got to be careful it's so true though the coaching it really dries you out it does yeah just talking talking in a dry gym yeah yelling for the most part yeah i like the music loud when i'm coaching so i'm always yelling at everyone yeah that's necessary not yelling, scolding them, but just yelling to communicate since they can't hear me if I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the open. I mean, this is prediction time, right? Everyone's kind of guessing what the what the workouts are going to be. Last week we talked a bunch about choosing RX versus scaled, which I think is a pretty common question that people are. Yeah, I have. saw that graphic today that uh, the gym posted. 
Yeah, Shokes made that. Or you and her made. Yeah, she yeah, made it. It's, it's awesome. It's a really good flow chart. Yeah. kind of really breaks it down. And she asked me to come up with a caption for it. I was like, I'm looking at it. I was like, this doesn't even need a caption. This is so easy <laughs> to follow. She nailed it. So yeah. that was great. So I was just kind of trying to stir the pot with the caption and get some conversations going about scaled versus rx and had a good conversation with one person right in the comment section um just by asking questions like uh this person was talking um like well i'd rather do one rx rep because it's going to put me above even if you did five million reps scaled so i just asked him well why is that important to you and then through that question found out that this person is actually an rx athlete the only movement they don't have is ring muscle-ups but they have bar muscle up, so it's like, well, you're uh, always okay, going to be yeah. an RX person because why would you scale any of the workouts when if you have bar muscle ups and you've been working on ring muscle ups, that's an assumption I'm making. He didn't say that, but I'm assuming he's been working on ring muscle ups in some way, shape, or form yeah. since he has all the other skills. It could be the magic moment, magical open yeah. moment where he gets his first ring muscle up in the open. That's and I mean, to- even if you have bar and haven't necessarily been working on ring a lot, that kind of just suggests that you have the strength, that you have the skill set. For sure. Yeah. Because I was needed say- to hit that. Yeah. It was funny because learning muscle ups, I found ring so much easier. But now that I. Yeah, I like asking people about this. It seems like everyone's completely different. Yeah, yeah. So I started off in finding ring easier i guess no real preference of what i like more or the other it's just fitness to me it doesn't really matter but i I was better and therefore i enjoyed ring muscle-ups more solely because of the false grip and being i was really skinny when i started crossfit so it was easy for me to pull myself up and over the rings strict and my feet were all over the place it was the ugliest thing you ever seen but i got it done bar muscle-up took me a lot longer to learn because I had to learn how to kip around the pull-up bar and actually do a proper kip yeah. for a muscle-up. But now that I have bar muscle-ups, I, I enjoy them a lot more because I've now I'm better at them too. So I think that kind of goes hand and in hand. And if you were to do like a max set of bar versus max set on the rings, the bar would blow the rings out of the water, would it not? I think for me, for yeah. sure. For you, by the sounds of things. I think so, the same. yeah. Yeah. I know some people say that they can do yeah, more ring and I mean, yes. that's super impressive. Maybe they're doing them like Sam Briggs, where it's like a l- the tiniest little lock. Oh, yeah, that's that ridiculous. At the top. Just whoop, right up at the top. <laughs> yeah. I was watching her at Worlds, and uh, her ring muscle-ups there, um, the one she got, she almost got no rep because she caught with her arms straight, and she, for real, just bent slightly and then re- extended her arms again to Why count the rep. Why can't you catch fully locked out? Um, it's... It's a standard. You have to pass through the dip for mm-hmm. a ring muscle up. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, the straight arm catch is sort of like a glide kip. Oh, and that's I not see. allowed with rings co- feet coming above the rings. But she was doing it without even doing that because she's just yeah a freak. But and yeah, she had to rebend and then extend again for the rep to count. <laughs> that's funny. Good problem to have, I guess. Yeah, I would say. And because you can catch a bar muscle up in lockout position, <clears throat> right? No, he, it has to be, you have to pass through. Oh, you some, still have to do a little bit of a dip a little at least? Bit of a dip. Yeah, there has I know to that. be a bit of a bend and then extension with your shoulders over the bar. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Good thing I know these before judging this weekend. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to run into a problem where somebody's kipping too well. Yeah. But you never know, it might come up. Yeah. So we had a few other things about the Open that we wanted to discuss, right? Yeah, I think... 
just from my conversations, people um, at the gym, they listen to the podcast and come up to me and they're um, like about this scaled and RX thing, yeah. some agreeing, some disagreeing, and just the conversations around it. You can kind of get into like the mindset of that person. Yep. And that seemed what to, their why is. I think that was at a good time that we recorded that last episode where we talked about how to decide on those different options. Because even like in the week leading up to before we released that one, I got asked the same question by a lot of people as well. And some people even saying like, hey, can you guys do like a discussion on this? I'm like, we did. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. It's done. Sweet. That's good. Yeah. Some, some people agreeing, some people disagreeing. I mean, really what it comes down to is just your mindset going into the open is really what we need to focus in on for this. Um, I mean, you have to ask yourself if you're going to let something like the open define your fitness and define who you are as a, as an athlete and as a person. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to hope the answer is you're not going to allow that to happen. Um, having a dependence on anything is, is a fundamental problem. Yes. Right. I mean, dependent on another person to be happy, dependent on a drug to feel normal, dependent on an experience to feel this, right? And we talked about this in our uh, goal setting podcast. Actually, I don't even, we might've talked about it in the ones that got deleted twice. Oh yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah. But um, those never got released. (laughs) I think we brought it up in the next episode. But anyways, when we were talking about uh, fitness goals, how, and we kind of related it to New Year's resolutions, but how you need to have some deeper meaning attached to it. Like you don't want to just have a goal of like hit this certain physique, have a six pack abs, whatever it may be. Cause those things are, they're going to disappear and not always be there. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a reason or a rationale behind that at least. So like, I want to hit this, I want to hit this goal or this physique, blah, 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 whatever it is. So that again, it could be anything like set a good example for my kids or whatever. So right. something exactly. that's always there and not going to go away. Mm-hmm. So that's the same idea here, I think. Yeah, I, th- I agree. Yeah, you made this post today on Instagram, I think. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was today. Yeah, so, I mean, nail on the head. Um, the open is what it is, and all it is is a, it's a standardized test that everyone's going to be doing the same workout. But the goal of an open workout, um, I hope for everyone that I'm coaching and for like our community and for myself, and I struggle with this a lot too, is just focusing on the workout. And I talk to my athletes a lot about you, you make a plan and then you stick to that plan. Yeah. And if that is what happens, then that's a win, right? Walk away from it. You did great. If the plan falls apart, then it's a learning experience. You found, you found a limitation. You found something that needs to be worked on. And that's what training's for. Yeah. Right? So the open is a test. It's an assessment. Um, it's a really fun one because of all the buzz and all the coverage online and doing it as a big group. Like it's a lot more fun. Um, but that's all it is. It's a, it's a set metric that you can learn from and move forward. Sometimes it's a big reality check for people also, right? Um, people, um, that unintentionally use, uh, limited movement. So, uh, kind of walk in the line of a of a standard and then end up getting no repped right. multiple, multiple times and learning that maybe their squat depth wasn't what they thought it was. 
or learning that their um, handstand push-ups aren't what they thought they were. Now, I'm going to throw out the standard from last year because that was complete trash. Yeah, that's, okay? that's not included. Issue. There's some people that really struggled with that standard. And this is how bad that standard was. Okay, We got people, remember one guy in particular, the dude is stacked up as tall as he could possibly be. His hands are maybe three inches away from the wall. Hands are below his shoulders. Like the most narrow handstand push-up grip I've ever seen in my entire life. Heels are completely extended. His butt's so close to the wall that if it was any closer, it would be touching and that would be a no rep. And his heels were at the line, not over. Yeah. What's that guy supposed to do? Meanwhile, me being all limbs and have a short torso, I could have my hands. I measured 42 inches apart. 42. The usual standard's 34 for the record. Okay? (laughs) 42 apart. I could have my ass against the wall. Which would be a no rep because my butt's touching the wall, so that doesn't count. And my heel, so I'm like in extension, complete extension, yeah. not stacked at all. And my heels were still two inches over the line. So for me, I, had, I could sh- cut my handstand push-up, not lock out my elbows. I didn't do this because, I mean, that's gross. But I could have half extended my arms, been over the line and come back down. Yeah. And that would have counted crazy talk well and there was one athlete in particular maybe i don't know maybe this is who you're hinting at but like high level athlete who solely did not qualify for regionals because of that one single movement oh yeah yeah <laughs> hepner yeah who yeah. we brought up a couple times who yeah it's just like ridiculously fit dude yeah so fit but especially his... in terms of like open workouts like that's probably what he's best at right like just sheer so the open is a lot of usually a lot more like aerobic conditioning than the norm and he just absolutely obliterates those kind of yeah it's so funny and you're really relying on people measuring the standard properly you're supposed to show in your video but this is really funny last year so Noel Olson is doing like a, a talk about the workout he had already done it he's like talking about his experience and how it went for him in the background Travis Mayer is getting the the measurement done his you know how your feet were supposed to be like below your hips or something like that heels against a wall his feet are outside of his shoulders as he's getting measured and the person holding the camera is holding the camera at the line i'm like (laughs) what is going on like how many people did that too that's dicey right now did he end up read travis may end up redoing it with a legitimate measurement i don't know but that was a really that flew around instagram for a while last year was pretty funny but yeah i after that tangent um just basically keep keeping yourself in check right the open is is an assessment for you so skewing the workout skewing the standard skewing the result to make yourself look better on paper because you're obsessed with your placing on the leaderboard is not what the open's for i think the since there is a leaderboard there can be ego attached to it big time yeah because it's like you can leaderboard. I'm all for it. I love leaderboarding. I like looking at what my friends are doing, how they're scoring and all that stuff, what the top athletes are getting compared to my score and realizing, oh my God, how is that even possible? Because I know how I felt doing that workout and they got like double my reps. Like what is going on? How is it even possible that a human can perform like that? Yeah. It's, it's a fun time. But if you're using the leaderboard and you're like, oh, that person got this. So I'm going to redo the workout because I want to be that individual. Like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think in this scenario, even something like writing out a couple of goals or intentions for the workout before you actually do it in a scenario like this, I think that'd be 
it's it's really underrated, I would say. Yeah, it's a great. Because I mean, I don't know, just so think of a workout where you know, just like a regular training session could be CrossFit group class, whatever it may be. Think of one where you got like a little bit angry or a little upset, whether that was like internally or something externally, like maybe you just kind of like threw a jump rope to the side or something like that. Like we've mm-hmm. all been there before, Oh yeah. but now find me a workout <clears throat> where that's happened to you. And it also happened to be a workout that you felt that you did good at, or you did your best that you possibly could do. I don't think it ever happens. Right. Right. Like if you're, if you're having a, you can call it like a quote unquote blow up workout. Those are usually your worst ones. Yeah. So kind of back to the open, even just something like setting a couple, um, setting a couple goals or a couple intentions beforehand could be a huge thing because like you said, ego, a higher thing than usual in the open means the chances of having a quote unquote blow up or getting a little bit angry are probably higher than usual. We both know if that's happening not a good thing for you or your score or right. your mentality overall. So just kind of even something like, Hey, like I know I struggle with double unders. I tend to get angry about double unders when I mess them up, but I don't care this workout. I'm just going to kind of do my best with them. If I mess up a couple times, let it hit my feet. So be it. I'm just going to shake right. it off and get right back into it. Just kind of, <clears throat> even if you can like identify that before you do the workout and even even like go through that happening for even just like a few seconds in your head. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm envisioning myself like messing up on double unders, but I'm also envisioning myself like not getting mad. So you've put yourself in that situation before you even do it. And then if you find yourself in that situation later on, you can just shake it off. No problem. Yeah, for sure. Visualization is yeah a huge, huge thing. I think things that would apply, like you use double unders as an example that would apply to, Say you're, there's a big set of a complex gymnastics movement like yeah. chest to bar pull ups or something like that. You're like my goal is to not get a single no rep, and then you set your plan accordingly. Does that mean you have to do singles, doubles, sets of five, sets of ten, right? Like how does that work for you? And if you stick to that plan and you get no, no no reps, yeah. that's a win. Check it off the box. Everything went the way you wanted to. The tough part is if you're hitting, so say you, someone's done exactly what you've done. They've envisioned worst case scenario. They've envisioned things going well. Um, they've thought about how they would react to certain situations. Things go really, really well. They do the best that they possibly could do in the workout, but then they go and look at the leaderboard and then feel like they didn't do well. Right. That's, that's where the leaderboard can be a poor tool. Yeah. Is using it. It's like, oh, everything went well. You got your, your first set of five unbroken chest bar pull-ups. You didn't get a single no rep. But then you look at the leaderboard like, ah, oh, I got to redo it because this person got that score. It's like, ah, you're missing the point completely yeah. when the, that stuff starts to happen. And it's e- easier said than done. But what about just being happy for that other person that they did well also? Yeah. Really? Well, and I think that's that's like a good mindset to have for everything, really. Like you can't be comparing yourself to other people for, you know, like if you just came out of, you just came out of university and you're going into i don't know banking i don't even know what that term means it's so general it could probably mean a thousand different things <laughs> yeah. and actual bankers are probably laughing at me chirping <laughs> right now but anyways and all of a sudden you're comparing yourself to like joe schmo banker who's been doing that for 30 40 years and you're like man i suck i'd want to be doing what he's doing well mm-hmm. 
like relax for a minute. Like if you just came out of school, you have to kind of identify the context, be realistic. Like maybe just you getting through school alone was an accomplishment. So focus on that and then grow. Yeah. Like it's, I think you can apply that to a lot of different things, but obviously something like this, it's probably a little bit more common and easy to slip into. For sure. I'm I'm a big believer in that 1% better every day. I know it's a super corny thing, but I, I'm a big yeah. firm believer in that. Um, the banker example, like the banker that you're looking at is if you want to be yeah. that guy compared to where you are now, just know all the time that was between when he started like right. you did and where he or she is at now. And then set yourself up for that traje- trajectory and what that trajectory comes down to is your consistency over time. It's not a big burst here. So for example, the next five weeks, it isn't about a big burst for five weeks and then disappearing afterwards or um, killing yourself in the open workout and then not training again for the rest of the week because you're, you're so beat up and tired. Like that's not how, that's not setting yourself up for success in anything and it's definitely not going to set yourself up for success in the open it'll probably lead to some sort of a burnout whether it's mental or physical and then also chances of injury increase because you're not training as consistently as you have before and then that's going to expose some things there's a lot of things with injury like you can understand right now that you have zero control over right it's a they happen it's a it's an accident and it's called that for a reason right but the more you can do to prevent these things from happening, um, at least you're putting yourself ahead of the eight ball a little bit and allowing yourself to find success over time. I think overreaching is a big thing during the open. Try and do too, too much. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Do, doing the open workout on Friday and then like, "Ah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again because I think I can get five more reps. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. Yeah. Stop doing that. Are you trying to win the national championship? Are you trying to be top 20 in the world? Is the answer no? Okay. Then don't do it. Don't redo it. Also, my biggest pet peeve is run throughs and I have a couple athletes that love (laughs) doing them and nothing makes me more angry than getting a text message saying, oh yeah, I ran through this workout. What does that mean? What is a run-through? I've actually never really heard of this before. It's doing the full open workout. I appreciate what it is. Or the full qualifier workout at um, like a moderate pace. What's the point? (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah. I really don't understand. You've been training all year long. You know what your capacity is. You know what your abilities are. Make a plan within those abilities and your capacity and execute that plan then you don't have to redo it you already did it to the best of your ability and then work backwards and the problems you encounter in the workout there you're not gonna have those if you're doing it at like a moderate intensity that's right so it's yeah that's funny though yeah and it's uh having the thought that you're gonna redo it is something that you want to throw away as well because it's easy you get halfway through your first attempt and you just shut it down yeah you're like slow down you make yourself more comfortable you're like this hurts i'm gonna slow down because i'm just gonna redo it on monday anyway yeah like no 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 so that reminds me of something um do you think do you think there's ever a good time for someone to i would say it's it's probably more appropriate in scenarios when they're repeating the workout but so say they they get halfway into that work that workout that they're repeating and they just they just know right away like they don't feel like themselves they maybe get like 5 minutes into like a 15 minute workout and they just like shut her down 
On the second attempt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's yeah, what that I happens. think so too. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, again, especially if you already have a score, mm-hmm. like, you know right away. For sure. Sometimes the body just, you know, it doesn't feel like the way it normally should. Your Maybe your heart rate's up higher than normally. Uh, weights just feel heavier. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good point to, like, share with people is that that is okay to do sometimes. Like, there's no point in you just kind of grinding through that entire workout no. when you know full well that you're not even going to come anywhere close to your other score. Yeah, for sure. Um, because at that point, if you've done your due diligence, you've uh, re-watched your video. Because if you're at that level where a redo is even going to be on the table, then you've watched the video because you have to record your workouts for qualifiers yeah. and things like that. You've documented your your breakup strategies, what went well, what went wrong, your split times on things. And uh, you know exactly what you need to do in order to get a better score. And if, if you fall behind on that plan, um, obviously the person who's scoring for you should be keeping you on your plan if you've communicated back and forth. Mm-hmm. You fall behind, that person can do their best to get you back on. But if you're, if you're behind, just... Yeah, right, like you get too far point. behind, it's not going to happen, and it's not worth it because, especially in a qualifier where it matters for people, which is obviously a very small number of people this year. Um, but just think like sanctional qualifiers and things like that that yeah. are a little bit more important for people at this point. Um, you got to shut it down because you know you have another week of qualifiers coming up, probably. Or if you're in a qualifying position, like you're going to have to prep for the competition, things like that, yeah. and pushing yourself beyond that that red line. And just blowing yourself up yeah. and beating yourself down could result in a couple of days of not being able to train for sure. For whatever reason, and I mean at that point, if you're if you feel that way during the workout, like body's already trying to tell you something, anyways. Yeah, just not to rest. Happen. So yeah, no point pushing through. Yeah, redos is a big question that I get mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so you can touch on that. I I honestly sure. I don't like them at all. Um, for anyone who's not going to be trying to qualify for something, so. That's for the age group cal- uh, category if you're not shooting for that top 200 in the world yep. to qualify for the online qualifier, then don't redo the workouts. Um, for you and I, where like we don't have a chance of coming top 20 in the world or being the, mo- the most fit male in Canada, don't redo the <laughs> workouts. Like what, yeah. what is it that there is to prove? The only exception to that would be if you experience that blow-up situation because you planned poorly. Right. You can learn from that. So if there's uh, muscle-ups in the workout and you know your abilities, you plan it out, you can do sets of three or something like that, you get to the rings and you open up with a set of three and you do a set of three and then it just explodes yeah. and all of a sudden you're standing there for a minute, you can adjust your plan, come back and, and try that workout again. That, that makes sense. But uh, to do it, redo it just to redo it, I admittedly fell into that trap a few times last year. And I have too. I am (laughs) speaking from experience now. It's funny though, like, or at least last year I found that you kind of hum and haw about your score for a little while, whether it's like, it's usually while leaderboarding, right? Like kind of hum and haw about it. And then it's always one of the first thoughts that creeps into your mind. Often it's like, hmm, can I do a little better? I think I can maybe improve that a little bit. You kind of start convincing yourself that you're going to redo it and going to improve. And then sometimes you're able to straighten yourself out in the next like day or two and say, you know what, like there's really no point. Yeah. I did give it my best shot. 
and so repeating it at this time has really no value. But every once in a while, you kind of cave, and I did. Yeah, I did. You know what I did last year? I redid two workouts. I did worse the second time, both times. Yeah, so that, I think I did too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that says it all for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not even doing the open workout until Monday afternoon. Hey, that's a good strategy. That's the only Because I know myself, yeah. and I know I'm way too competitive for this, right? I'm telling people don't leaderboard um, for the wrong reasons. I wouldn't, I wouldn't redo it because somebody is doing better than me, no. but I can't help just being competitive. I can't help think that if I change this or I change that, oh, I'm yeah, going to do better. Sure. Yeah. So my goal is I'm going to be coaching a lot of people through the workout on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm going to learn from their experience and where they're at. And then I'm going to come up with my own plan on Sunday night before doing the workout yeah, on Monday. genius. I'm just going to do it once. you can't do it twice on Monday. That's right. I mean, you could, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm yeah. going to do it... Right. I start coaching at 4 on Monday. I'm going to do it at 2 o'clock on Monday. Then there's no Perfect. no option. <laughs> That's a hell of a strategy. Okay. <laughs> just got to trap myself. <laughs> and luckily, Caleb keep me to that because I won't be able to keep myself to it. Yeah. Got to find that support system there so that you don't... Don't go and break yourself. And yeah, that's a good actually point. listen to them. Don't just make the decision yourself. <laughs> yeah. <Talk. laughs> I'm getting the <laughs> Killing game with the dirty luck there. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll be asking her for guidance as well. Yeah. <laughs> or I would have. <laughs> it's a tough one to stick to, especially yeah. when you're competitive, which I think everyone has a little bit of competitive edge to them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, I read an article, there was a, I forget who wrote it, but it's like why everyone should redo the workouts. And there, there's some good points, but um, it's definitely coming from an elite athlete point of view. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, people aren't like you, right? They aren't a, a eight-time CrossFit Games athlete right. where redoing the workout. Is that who wrote just, the article? Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, we're redoing a workout to get a couple more reps. It's gonna You're going to learn a lot. It's like you learn a lot about yourself. You learn about your ability to plan. Yeah. You can That's definitely execute. totally like, different. Yeah, I get it, yeah. but like why though? Yeah. Right? I think um, the open, a lot of people come out the other side less fit than when they went in, and that is not okay. Yeah. That's not, not what should be happening. You should be following a strength program still follow the program that your coach is writing for you to make sure that you're maintaining your abilities and your capacity across the five weeks because I, I get and i'm speaking from uh someone who's not trying to qualify for anything point of view right like this is not for somebody this advice is not for someone trying to crack the top 200 in their age group or top 20 in the world or national champion yeah. their approach is going to be different so valner fakowski you're listening right now this is not <laughs> yeah. for you yeah and I mean, they they have their plan set already, probably. Everything other than the workout, I'm sure, is playing out to a T because they're professionals. This is their job. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of. Brent's a full-time athlete now. I think Pat's still doing the yeah. full-time practice. Kind of thing. Side. Just on yeah. the side. Just on the side. And Pat's already qualified for the game, so. Yeah. <laughs> Takes a little pressure off there. Yeah, I think the overreaching thing is a big thing. You really got you have to maintain your health across the the five weeks. And again, speaking from experience, the first two years I did the open, I made myself physically sick by the by week four. I was physically sick. Like I had the flu, I was run down, looked like a ghost. It was because I just I didn't have the experience I had have now knowing 
my body and what I should and shouldn't be doing. And knowing that it's more than just that 15 minute workout. Yeah. It's, it's I, was very, I was very, very short sighted in my approach to the yeah. open and it was not, not smart. Right. Yeah, that brings up a good point, I guess. I, and I think we already talked about this, but if you are, like, if you're sitting around at work or school or whatever in the day of or the day leading up to that workout, if you notice that your hands and feet are sweaty, well, hey, that's that's one sign right there. That's why this is not just that 15-minute workout. That's like, right. your body is already kind of, in a way, preparing for it. That's not free of charge. Like, that costs resources. It puts stress on the body. And mm-hmm. so it's it's... It's everything else outside of that, whatever, how long the workout is, 15, 10 minute period. That's why, like you said, the overreaching is a concern here. That's why repeating workouts takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you still need to focus on the week leading up to it as that's well. Right. It's not just on the weekend. Yeah. Repeat. Yeah, for sure. I think that's all the questions i have about the open here there's some prediction stuff for what people think they're gonna see we could do that for fun for a few minutes yeah the one was very generic and it was basically it's like what's the word in here hard movements compared uh paired together to make for a very difficult workout i'm like yeah that's pretty that's pretty safe <laughs> guess <laughs> yeah. i totally agree that's definitely what we'll see perfectly bag <laughs> yeah um, I seen Wad Prep did like a didn't they do like a top five prediction for movements that we'd see in the open? Did you see that? I haven't watched that one yet. No. Uh, so I'm trying to remember what it was. So they had pistols was definitely one. So this was like top five. Sorry, this is top five movements that have never been in the open mm. that they would expect to see this New year. Movements. I was a part of that conversation. Oh, were you? But uh, I haven't seen an actual post yet. <laughs> so I think pistols was maybe like number five. Um, Box step ups was one of them, I believe, which you could also throw in box step overs, right? Right. Because yeah. those those seem to be popping up a lot everywhere, and oh, yeah. I've never been in it. If if you've done box step overs and haven't done box step ups, you gotta hope it's box step overs, and that says a lot. Box step ups are the worst because <laughs> you actually have to stand all the way up every single time. They're so terrible, and you're still hanging onto the dumbbells oh, the entire my time. God, they're brutal. Yeah, yeah, step overs aren't. Like it's all, it's a lot grip and forearms. Mm-hmm. For me, well, being it's lanky be, and tall, it's all forearms. Yeah, especially for lanky people. So step ups, you're holding on to it the exact same amount of time, but like you said, you're going all the way up. So yeah, it's brutal. Not very fun. Uh, the other ones were, I think there was like a single arm overhead walking lunge. So have they had double arm before? They've had barbell. Barbell. Oh, but never dumbbells. Lunges. Not. Okay. Not dumbbell. No and dumbbell front rack walking lunges right devil press was, devil's press was one. another one yeah yeah so yeah i can't remember the other one yeah the only thing i would add is i think strict variations of gymnastics movements are going to be in there so the other one was deficit handstand push-ups deficit yeah nice i wonder i don't think strict handstand push-ups have been in the open i don't think so yeah i don't know i've just been uh if you have the CrossFit Journal or follow the main site at all, it's been a lot of strict work. Um, Greg Glassman posted a big article about how he regrets introducing kipping to the CrossFit community. Interesting. Just It, it makes me think that maybe... Um, my guess is strict pull-ups. Yeah. 
The reason I'm guessing that is because that can be a massive breakthrough win for people also. And that's part of what the Open's all about, right? They like to throw in movements as like, oh, maybe somebody can get their first. And I mean, for somebody to get their first strict pull-up, that's super liberating. Yeah. Like that's, I've never seen anyone more excited about any other movement. Yeah, that's uh, the big one. It's like mu- ring muscle-up, close second, but strict pull-up takes the cake every single time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's interesting. That'd be fun to see, actually. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those movements that, like, a, not a lot, but some people um, can just walk into the gym and do them without any training. Yeah. But there's also the group of people that they walk in and hanging from the pull-up bar is hard. And even dreaming about being able to pull themselves up to the bar is impossible to them in that moment. Right. And it's like a product of years and years of getting stronger combined with maybe losing some weight. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's Yeah, those are some convincing win. points there. Because, again, Glassman seems to be like, I don't know how you want to describe him. He's kind of like bare bones type guy, right? Um, everything comes back he to... He looks like a bag of bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything comes back to how does this actually apply to like human health and survival? So you think pull up, that'd be pretty foundational, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to hang from something, pull yourself up. I think we can all agree that that is pretty functional. Yeah. Pistol squats, not the most functional thing. Maybe not, right? Devil's presses, maybe not. Yeah. So I think maybe he'll have some bias towards that. Yeah. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun. It's fun. All five weeks is like you pick kind of hear people guess in the first workout. And then as the weeks go on, it gets a little bit easier to predict, but um, I very rarely have anyone even come remotely close. Like you can try as hard as you, <laughs> as hard as you want, right? And yeah. there's always a question of is there going to be a repeat workout? Which workout's going to be repeated? So every single week, like usually the re- the workout that's repeated is a point. If it's the first week, it'll be the first week workout from another year. Oh, I so see. So it, it's like you can kind of go through the years past and yeah. try to pick one. If it's seven minute AMRAP burpees to six inch target. <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. Oh, man. I think that was 12.1. <clears throat> I'm not going to be a happy camper. You might see some of those early ones come back. Yeah. That'd be the worst. Greg Bones Glassman. Greg <laughs> <laughs> Bones Glassman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Was there any other questions or input on the open specifically? We're still going to get to the artificial sweeteners, but... Um... I don't know. Let me I'm check sure they'll keep, time. They'll keep coming up, I'm sure, over the next several weeks, and we can continue to touch on them. Yeah. Stuff just comes up in the moment, too, at the gym, and it's like, ah, oh, we got to talk about this, because I think this is going to be a question that a lot of people have. Right. Um, yeah, no, nothing else. Um, the guesses were strict strict movements, horrible handstand push-up standards. <laughs> All things in a way that is incredibly challenging, strict pull-ups. Yeah. Not too much in terms of guesses and nothing for open-related questions to this point. Cool. So I guess we'll shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Artificial sweeteners. Yeah. So some background. There's been um, Dr. Lane Norton. Yeah. If people don't follow Dr. Lane Norton, he, he's a good follow. Yeah. I'd recommend oh, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd recommend it uh, for multiple reasons. He gets you thinking. Mm-hmm. He's very challenging, which I think is, I like that, especially for a social media follow. Yeah. For me, like, I want, I'd like to get... It's not traditional, right? It's, it's not very the different. same old crap. He likes to go against the grain yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and he'll 
make his point known, and then he will not budge from it. Yes. And he'll argue all the way through his comment section, which is a wormhole that if you want to get into, <laughs> you can definitely get into and keep yourself busy for a long time. Oh, yeah. I've gone uh, down that rabbit hole a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like going through uh, Joe Rogan's comments yeah. on YouTube on his podcast. And it's not based on opinion. I like that, too. He's not saying one thing or another because that's how he feels. Right. It's actually based on science and research. So I yeah. like that. And he likes to remind people that he's a doctor. Yes, he does. That's for sure. <laughs> he's a very, very smart dude. I've yeah. listened to a few podcasts with him talking about nutrition as well. And like, we were talking at the gym. Like, my dream podcast would be Chris Kresser, uh, Lane Norton, and Rhonda, Rhonda Patrick, all on yeah. the Joe Rogan experience and all talking about nutrition. I think that podcast would be 14 days long because <laughs> it could be, not yeah. any of them would budge. Yeah. And it would be amazing. And they're all super smart. But anyway, his post. Yeah. About artificial sweeteners. So it was, just to give you like a little bit of a background, he posted about um, a meta-analysis that was recently published. So we've talked about meta-analyses before, but they are, they're basically a summary of a whole host of a wide range of different studies, but all the studies, it's a, it's a large number of studies, but they're all on the same subject. So basically what they do is they throw all these into one single study and then they'll rerun statistical analyses on these to find a, find a result. Hmm. So like to give you a simple example, just so that you can envision this, um, you know, if there's a drug for say treatment of whatever, liver cancer, they'll kind of go into the database, type something in to search, you know, drug X and liver cancer, they'll get all these studies, there might be several hundreds They'll then put those all together in a single study. So the people who do this, they're reading through every single study that they found, which could be like hundreds and hundreds of studies. So that's one thing. They're reading through these. And then they're compiling all of those and rerunning the stats. So out of these 200 studies, did our statistical analysis find that drug X... um, is a reliable treatment for liver cancer. And this is based on, like for people who've taken statistics class, it's just based on um, probabilities, right? So you could have, I don't know, you could have like a hundred studies who say that drug X was beneficial. You could have a hundred studies that said it's not, but until you actually throw all of those in together, you can't make any sort of conclusion as to whether or not as a whole, this drug is doing something based on these Mm -hmm. studies. So there's kind of, it's kind of a tricky thing, but that, that part's important to actually know what this is. Um, so any, anyways, it was a meta-analysis looking at, so I, I should have written down these specific questions, but it's, do artificial sweeteners basically cause obesity was one of the questions. Um, do artificial sweeteners cause people to eat more? Do artificial sweeteners cause cancer? That was another one. And there was one more. I forget what it was. But basically in his post, and like you said, like Lane's very opinionated. Mm-hmm. Um, not opin- like opinionated based on science, right? <clears throat> um, but I think he's always been an advocate for like artificial sweeteners essentially being no problem. So this was a paper that kind of like supported his belief. So it was saying that, um, 
no, they don't cause people to gain weight. No, they don't cause people to be more hungry, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end, he kind of just posted like myth busted. And then I read through a lot of the comments and there was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's interesting stuff. So I'm, this is why I'm, I have mixed feelings on, um, Blaine. I think overall he's a great figure. He's good to have. It's just people disagree on things, so I can disagree on That's some right. of his yeah. posts. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> it's not on opinion. It's just based on what I've seen in the research. Right. So I guess I should say first, like when he was saying artificial sweeteners, that's referring to, I think there's like seven or nine different ones specifically that we would throw into that category. Um, aspartame, sucralose, saccharin. Um, stevia would be one of the natural ones. Um, what were the other ones? There's a couple more that I can't think of, but anyways, there's, I don't think there's just not as many as people think there are. Like Mm. it's pretty limited. Um, so anyways, um, I just kind of did some extra reading on these to see what was actually out there. I think, so I have to admit like before I actually did that, i I do have a little bit of a bias, like beforehand, before I read that, I was always of the belief that they're not the best choice. Yeah. But that's just like Lane had his pre-existing. Exactly. Yeah. Fine. Right. Which led him to probably find that study and then post about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and I, I had this conversation with someone the other day as well about like people having biases and thinking that's a bad thing. Well, if you don't have one, then like, you're not really living, right? Like (laughs) like all people have their biases. That's not a problem. No. No. You just have to try and forget that at appropriate times. Yeah. 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 I think, um, obviously, Lane's a very polarizing figure because right. he'll take his opinions and he'll he'll blow it up to get exposure. And he's doing a great job yeah. with it. Um, but um, anytime that there's an opinion, you have to be open to other opinions as long as, and right. I think this is important, there's... There's evidence to support the claim. Yeah. It can't just be, well, this is how I feel. Yeah. Especially in science, that can't that can't fly. Yeah. In a, in a debate about nutrition from a science standpoint, it can't be like, oh well, I felt this. It's like that's not gonna work. Talking to you, having a debate yeah. with yourself or or Lane or like somebody who has knowledge in nutrition, that's that will be disregarded because your right. opinion doesn't matter. It's if you have a bias, you have to be able to back it up somehow. Yeah. A lot of people make a living, though, based on their opinion, which That's is right. not supported by anything. <laughs> yeah. Just scroll through your Instagram feed. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah, I just did some extra digging because I wanted to kind of get the whole story on this. Um, so one thing with, like, the review he posted. So, again, a review, it's not foolproof. Like, there's a lot of studies that were that look at artificial sweeteners that weren't included in that meta-analysis. So that's one thing there. So I read mm-hmm. a lot of those studies. Um, I'll get to those in a minute. But another kind of, I don't want to call it a red flag because it's still a good, it's a good paper still, but they were, a lot of the studies that they were referencing in this meta-analysis that showed that artificial sweeteners, you know, do not cause weight gain, yada, yada, yada. Most of them were comparing artificial sweeteners to sugar. They weren't comparing them to nothing, right? So that's, I mean, so if something's no different than sugar, well, is that really like a win or a plus or a benefit? Exactly. Right? Like, don't you want it to be a slight improvement to that? That's right. Yeah. So that was one thing. 
And again, not all the studies in there were compared to sugar, but a lot of them were. I wanted to actually go through and count, but I haven't got that far yet because it's a, it's a lot of manual labor. Um, so that's another big thing. And then the third big, big thing was they don't mention the gut microbiome at all. So that's a pretty obviously huge thing to leave out. Um, like we know that the microbiome influences human health in too many ways to list. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about this in one of our um, earliest podcasts. I talked about that study where they were trying to kind of come up with possible treatments for multiple sclerosis, I think it was. So they started in mice and they looked at the gut microbiome. Um, They found changes in the gut microbiome and then they looked at the brain and they found positive changes to the pathology of MS. And then when they transferred that bacteria from those mice to the other ones, they also, just from transferring the feces to the other mice, they found that benefit. Yeah. This so, is, that's the craziest thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and they just Wild. transferred feces from one to the exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah, that's bananas. Yeah. And then, I mean, long story short, they kind of found that that result was supported in human trials. So that's just one example. But again, I think we kind of fully know now the strong influence of the gut microbiome. So we have to consider that. And there is a lot of studies that show that some artificial sweeteners... Uh, might harm the gut microbiome so that's one thing and then I mean just from reading a lot of these other studies I would say that by no means am I saying like you know in or pardon me conclusively they are like a detriment to health that's not what I'm saying I think that I just don't think you can say like myth busted like you can't make such a strong claim right because I did read some of these other studies that he left out and there is still a lot out there that's kind of saying like those same things that we thought were a concern all along, like one being, so these sweeteners are like often 200 to 300 times sweeter than sugar. So we have receptors on our tongue that feed into the brain. So we're detecting that. And then that's leading to changes in the brain. So some studies have shown that the response in the brain to sugar, not the same as the response to artificial sweeteners. So what does that mean downstream? Don't know, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of take that a step further and go, okay, this response in the brain is likely eventually to lead to some type of hormonal response, probably a release of insulin. Because if you're giving that sweet taste, the body thinks, okay, this is, um, sugar's coming in, so I have to get ready to transport that into my cells. So that's why it would release insulin. Right, that, so learned, this is, that learned process. Yeah. Because our bodies are adapting machines. Exactly, yeah. And there is, I found human studies that still show that, but they weren't included in that meta-analysis. I can't say why, I don't know why. Right. Um, but I mean, it's out there. So I think that if nothing else, like it's it's still up for debate. Um so it's just a very strong conclusion to make with something that's still so highly debated, I would say. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, though, he kind of, and again, you can't blame him for doing this because it gets people's attention, but he kind of used a line in there that was something like, um, so it was at the very end in his, the line that said myth busted, it was like, and no, they don't quote unquote trick your body into storing more calories or something like that. So just kind of like yeah. a buzz phrase that gets <clears throat> people's attention. And then people see that 
And to people who don't really know about this stuff, it, it does kind of sound bogus. Like, right. you know, these things, how could they trick my body into wanting more calories or eating more food? Well, it's, no, it's not tricking your body. Like, there's actual biological mechanisms behind why that might happen right. and why some studies have shown that. Yeah, right down to the release of the hormones that are needed to yeah. digest a, a sweet food that could be a detriment exactly, yeah. to your health. Yeah, I mean, any... Any time that there's an extreme claim that it's um, this way and not that way, I think yeah. everything's too fluid to make that choice. Right. I mean, you're dealing with humans too in these studies. I'm yeah. assuming a lot of them that were used in that meta-analysis were human yeah, trials. Yeah, majority, yeah. So hard to control humans. That's the thing. That's the other thing people don't realize. <clears throat> yeah, And their past, you just mentioned that it's a learned thing, right? Um, where you taste something sweet and then the release happens yeah. for body so good at adapting to that then two different people are going to be completely different exact, in yeah. their response to the exact yeah, same that's thing that's another good point too um and I, like you have to consider the time scale like right. a lot of these things probably take several years to adapt not just a few months right yeah and smoking one cigarette won't kill you exactly yeah right so, so it's, it's the like, inverted u-shape again yeah 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 it's a little a little tough to yeah. to navigate. One that. sig might even be good for you. I don't know. Who knows? To act as like a hormetic stressor. I don't <laughs> think we've talked a lot about that, but no. Hormesis is that idea that um, stressors are beneficial, but to a certain point. So, like exercise is a hormetic stressor. Oh, right. Yeah. What's there's like a a max adaptive uh, volume. Yep. Yeah. For training that you got to figure everybody's a little bit different again exactly. you got to play around yeah. with it a little bit and go by yeah. feedback and things like that I think um, do I disagree with Lane no do I disagree with you no I agree with both of you because yeah. both of you came with with um, research to back right. the opinion or the bias the problem I have with the claim that Lane's making is that people can take that and go to an extreme if you give a little, if you give a little people, human nature, you're going to take a lot, yeah. right? So you give people a green light on artificial sweeteners, oh, it's not going to affect your health in a negative way. If somebody who um, really enjoys the flavors that they get from those, they're going to go, they could take that information and yeah. go to a complete extreme and be telling themselves that it's not doing them any harm. And those behaviors, I get the science, okay? I understand that x y equals z whatever yeah. but what isn't taken into account is just the behavioral domino effect that that could have right somebody totally. starts consuming a lot of artificial sweeteners in the form of diet sodas um sweeteners in different uh candies that aren't sugar-based yeah. right? like low-cal whatever but that's that snowballs them into a lot of really poor lifestyle choices right. that they could be making so it's better to yeah explain it the way you are in my opinion where it's like this is the information we got to remember the inverted u-shape remember yeah. all these different factors and just i like that you brought that point up too though because sometimes you don't even always need the science to understand it you know what i mean like something like that like hey if i'm eating a lot more a lot larger quantity of sweet things then maybe i'm going to be more prone to continue eating sweet things like i think that's just kind of something that's almost like 
like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's kind of intuitive. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one example where, Hey, even if the research doesn't always show it, that doesn't mean it's not a thing. Right. Right. So yeah. I yeah. think what it boils down to though is, I mean, if it's easy to get confused by this stuff, um, or if you, even if, you know, maybe after what I just told you, now you're even more confused. Like, Come on, like I, I have, I was in a good place with these sweeteners. What <laughs> yeah. the hell do I do now? Yeah, I mean, I think the simplest question to ask yourself at the end of the day with all of this is usually just like, is this real food? Right. We all, like, yeah, we always end up circling back to this. If you want to just simplify things, in a, I would say, a pretty damn effective manner, just is just real food. That doesn't mean you have to eat real food a hundred percent of the time. That's right. That's impossible. You're not gonna be able to do that just means try and make that choice more often than not Mm -hmm. a lot more often than not yeah give yourself the freedom to to choose yeah where as much as freedom of choice is a thing i don't know yeah if it is or not but you know what i mean yeah yeah at least take control and it's it's too easy to to see something flashy like that and just be like oh that's it yeah that's give me my belief forever i mean we went through with margarine and butter yeah. I thought we already yeah. went through it with the Diet Coke, regular Coke yeah. situation. Um, there was, but. we won't have time to get into us into this right now. And I don't know enough about it anyways, but apparently there's a pretty big problem now with sucralose in water. Hmm. Yeah. And not, what? not, yeah, not good for, not good for the lakes. And they're working on ways now to actually try and extract that out of the, out of the lakes. Jeez. What would that be from? Processing? <sighs> Just kind of sequence of events, food processing, I don't know, things seep into the soil and one thing leads to the next. Need an environmentalist on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we are going to have some guests at some point. Yeah. Well, I'm like washing things down the drain and I don't know. Yeah. Long list of things, I guess. For sure. All right. So yeah, that's to be continued. To be continued there. All right, well, you're going to be hearing this before workout two announcement for the Open. So hopefully... Hope number one went good. Yeah, and then just some insight looking forward. Don't get sick, guys, right? Like, maintain your health throughout the Open. Remember what is the most important thing and why we're actually doing all the crazy things that we do is to be as healthy as possible and to keep those end goals in mind. Not... I don't... Ask yourself if you did the open in 2014 what your score was on 14.2. You won't remember. That's how important it is. Just have some fun. Some fitness fun with your friends. That's a good message. I don't have anything to add to that. Have a good week. All right. Peace.